it's been freezing here at the moment. And that's, oh. I don't know if she's just sleepier because we have the heat on a lot now. And she loves it. Like her chair is right next to the heater. Oh. And she just curls up and gets all, or she like gets under covers with us and gets all like snuggled in. Yeah. I really enjoy that as well. It's really cute. Um, oh. It's so cute. So she's definitely been sleepier. But uh, yes, I we put up the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and... I sprayed it with perfume and it's been so successful. She will not go anywhere near it. Yeah. And then if she even like, she'll kind of, sometimes she'll like, what, look at me. And then her paw will like drift as if to knock off a bauble. And I will just immediately pick up perfume bottle. And she runs away like, forget it, forget it. I was kidding. I was kidding. I didn't, I I wasn't being serious. I wasn't, I wasn't gonna. I truly think this could be life changing for some, some cat, cat owners. I, I really think so. I've tried something different every year. Yeah. The first year we tried like orange peel Mm -hmm. around it because I hear apparently cats like don't like that. Did not work at all. My cat just like knocked the orange peel away (laughs) and it continued. (laughs) She just was like, nope. Yeah. Um, And then last year I saw somebody on TikTok being like, I'm going to, I'm going to use the tree to like scare my cat. Mm, Right. Like I'm going to like shake the tree at the cat and be like, rah. And then it will so ever yeah. they won't go near it. Percy could not have said less. <laughs> she she just as I was doing it, she just looked at me like, "What are you doing? Yeah. You're embarrassing yourself right now." Like just with such judgment. Um, but so far, the, the perfume. perfume has been successful, and it, yeah, it makes the the room smell. Well, here's the question: What perfume is it? Because I wonder if it's specific. That's a really good point. To be fair, she just does like generally hate all perfume. Yeah. But the one I'm using at the moment is uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Mm, okay. So it's an expensive method. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fancy method. Um, hey, if it but, works. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly sure any kind of chemically, yeah, florally spray would work. Yeah. Just like sense that they don't like. I might need to try because So we just put ours up yesterday. Um, and we got a new tree this year. Um, and yeah, huge, huge news over here. Um, we got one with like the, uh, it's green, but it has like the white flocking on it. So it looks like it's got snow on it. It's really cute. Um, but for whatever reason, Maud will not stop licking it. Like I can't get her to stop licking the bottom of the tree. <laughs> and I keep having to be like, stop. I don't know what's in that fake snow. Stop licking it. Like it can't be good for you. Um, so does the fake snow come off when she licks it? Kind of. It's like, you know, it's like if you shake the tree, kind of like fake snow, kind of dust falls everywhere. Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, it's not like she's getting chunks or anything, but I- I'm sure she's getting some sort of flavor. It can't taste good. Like I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I might try something similar. I gotta, maybe I'll add something gross so she doesn't try and lick it. Yeah. But she's, she's resilient. Cats like weird things though. Like, I know. I, do, I was really, so Percy really, I, I think it must be just the high fat content, right? Mm-hmm. But Percy loves like biscuits and like pastry and yes. stuff. Which I'm like, you're, I kind of get dogs, but I'm like, you, Why you you're yeah. a cat. Like, Surely all you want is meat and fish. I don't understand. Right. I thought they were true carnivores. It's very interesting, actually. Exactly. I thought they were true carnivores. But no, she will lick. Yesterday I came in and she'd um, licked like loads of, she'd like licked the top of my mince pie. Like just (laughs) 
had like what like and you know how like on the top of a mince pie there's like a little like there's like a little pastry snowflake yeah. in it and the snowflake was just eroded by her rough little tongue she just licked the snowflake so annoyed and she'll yeah she'll just do that sometimes and I'm like I don't but then she does it with other things too like face cream she'll try and lick my face oh, interesting cream. It's so I'm just like, like is it is it yeah is it the the lipid content mm-hmm. the, the fat in it yeah that's and it. then I now I'm questioning like what is that fake snow is it some sort of dehydrated milk why are you doing this yeah. <laughs> um and yeah what is it they've used yeah is, I mean hopefully it's not we'll see and she Maud loves to like eat a plant and immediately throw up so like I'll know pretty quickly <laughs> if. It, it doesn't agree with her stomach. <laughs> and Millie, uh, like Percy, is a climber. So she hasn't done it yet. And this tree is a little bit more filled in than our old one. But we'll, we'll see. Because last year she knocked it over and broke a bunch of things off of it. So <sighs> we might have to devise some sort of plan. She hasn't. I don't know why yet. Not yet. But maybe she's waiting for more um, ornaments to be on it. And then she'll knock everything over. Yeah, she wants a challenge. Yeah, like, exactly. Make this complicated. Yeah. Salt course. <laughs> make this an expensive problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, last year we had like a really cool uh, tree topper that they're these like vintage, they're from Russia and they, you know how, how do I explain this? It's like a little ball and then it's glass and it goes up to a point. They're like, a, it's a common type of tree topper, but this one is, yeah. instead of being like a star, it's a little rocket. That's uh, very cool. And it was really cool. And she shattered it. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, Billy. Devastating. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, of course. The one thing that I couldn't like, I tend to like fasten the ornaments on better. I like twist them on so yeah, they can't yeah, yeah. fall off. But that was the one that I couldn't really do that with. And of course, she knocked that over. Um, yeah, naturally. That's that's having pets. What did I? Oh, I wanted to mention again, because this is now it's December 15th. This is coming out. Uh, we have merch and you should order We have it. merch. Also, this is Comfort Creatures. <laughs> <laughs> this is Comfort Creatures. We have merch. <laughs> Those, that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. um, we've got mugs and shirts. Uh, in The shirts are in a variety of colors and sizes. Um, and they're fun and they're comforting. It's our, co- it's our, cozy, our cozy line. Um, a cozy line designed by Alexis. <laughs> the design on them is so cute. It's like these little like woodland creatures in like a little tent <laughs> having like a little hibernation sleepover party. It's so adorable. Yeah. Absolutely perfect for this time of year. That I, was, I, oh, I hope so. That was, that was my goal. Um, we have a really fun guest today. I had so much fun talking. Uh, we had Jules Howard on the show, author yeah. of Wonder Dog. Um, and he's a zoologist. Yeah. He used to have a frog helpline. <laughs> yeah. He's just, yeah. I mean, again, another, I, I, I really hope we can get to a point with guests where we can just start having the same people back. Yeah. Because we did dogs and we did frogs and we did some other things. But if you uh, look up Jules, which no doubt you'll want to do, you'll find he's written on such a wide variety of creatures. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, there's just so many more things I would love to chat to him about. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, anytime we have any sort of uh, animal science person, we're like, wait, wait, but tell me, tell me everything you know. Well, I don't, I, <laughs> I, what, what's your favorite animal fact? And they're like, I don't know. I know it. I know so many things about animals. Like, I know okay, all but, the facts. <laughs> uh, tell, tell us them. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> um, yeah, should we, should we get into it? Yeah. 
All right, everyone. We are graced by the wonderful Jules Howard, author of Wonder Dog and a, a real-life zoologist. Jules, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. This is lovely. Yeah. Um, so the book is incredible. I Spoiler, I didn't finish it yet, but I will because that's so good. Um, <laughs> but first, before we even get into the book itself, we got to know about, do you have pets currently? Yeah, so there's only one pet in our life at the moment, um, and that is uh, Ozzy. And Aussies, oh, do you know, like, is that a lurcher? Is that like an American word? Would that like your American listeners know what a lurcher is? A what? A lurcher. So no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I guess a, a sight hound. So he's a, he's a whippet mixed oh. with a Bedlington Terrier. So he's got a sort of, a bit like your oh, guy, sort of poodly, so poodly hair. Yeah. And he's just, I mean, he looks like a joke. He looks like a storybook character. So he's not like... <laughs> He's not in no way is he, you know, an object of beauty, but he's, uh, he's, I mean, like all of our pets, he's just a character, isn't he? He's just yeah. this little character in our life. So just, we only have one at the moment. We had two cats, but they, um, unfortunately both, one of them disappeared on us during lockdown. We still don't know, um, where he went. And the other one, unfortunately, was involved in a car, it got hit by a car. So no. it was like, oh, it's so oh, sad. Yeah. So sad. So, yeah. But like, this is it. You know, we have the, we have the positive love side of yeah. our pets, don't we? But also we can experience some real hard times and stuff. So yeah, anyway, mm. that's me. Yeah. Um, tell us, uh, when, how long have you had Ozzy? Uh, he's two this week. <gasps> Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so he's good. He's happy. He had a good birthday. Uh, lots of kicking the football for him, which he loves. Oh, and excellent. Uh, yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of entered that stage now where, you know, when they're kind of like, oh, I, oh, I get it. The routine is you potter around and do stuff all day. I don't need to watch. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So he's kind of in that sort of zone. So it's been, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a good lad. A sen- like a sign of maturity, I think. Like, okay, yeah. I get it now. Um, and then, okay, did you, we don't get to talk to that many like real life zoologists. And I feel like mm. every kid, at least, okay, well, maybe just me, but I no, was like, I I was, yeah, I was me so too. sure I was going to be a zoologist. Um, yeah. Did I you definitely look- went through a big like, yeah, it'll be, that will be a thing I do at like a phase at least. Where <laughs> yes. I was like, yes, yeah, I will be a zoologist. Did you always think this or is this a, a something you found? I, I think like you're you're right in that the, the natural condition is to sort of have this stage, especially especially when we're all kind of young. And then like, doesn't David Attenborough say something like, you know, like we're all born like you know naturalists, and then mm. some of us kind of lose it over time, and then some of us, of course, don't. Um, and I remember like being a teenager, being like it was a dirty secret that I was into, like oh this guy's into birds and he knows the names <laughs> oh. of lizards and stuff like that. And I really feel sad about that now. And I, I know that he's still a thing. And sometimes younger naturalists will, you know, have mentioned to me that they have a similar experience. And um, and yeah, I was like, maybe I'll just be an architect or maybe I'll just be a, a lawyer or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and then and then I was like 16 and someone was like, you should do marine biology. And I was like, oh, yeah, animals. I love animals. And it was just <laughs> all clicked, clicked together, really. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But that's similar for you guys. Yeah, I think that's marine biology is the one that everybody says. It's so funny. Like everyone I know now that likes animals as an adult went through yes. the phase of thinking they were going to be a marine biologist. I don't know if it's that it's that thing of kind of it sounds quite like serious and grown up, mm-hmm. but it is also like, oh, I really want to look at sharks. You know, like <laughs> yeah. so 
But 100%, yes. Yeah. Also, um, I think I said I wanted to be a marine biologist before I had ever seen the ocean. Like, I'm from Arizona. I've only seen the <laughs> desert. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'll like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you just said it was like you were you into, you knew you liked birds. You knew the names of lizards. Was there a was there a, an animal hook that made you go, oh, I'm obsessed with these? Or were you just always a kind of all animal kind of guy? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think it was a bit of a mix. I mean, like the cold dinosaur thing, we could go into that and I'll spare you it. But like, you know, the sort of old fossils and like how incredible museums are. And so that sort of nerdy aspect was was definitely in there. But like, I think, I guess I was thinking about something similar the other day. And like, basically, when we lived in this like um small fairly rundown village and um opposite us was like a clothes shop called matilda's and uh on the way back from um school like my mum would go into matilda's and i can remember the excitement of going like oh brilliant i'm gonna go and stand by the window in matilda's and look at all the dead wasps that have gathered like in on the inside of the windowsill uh, on the inside of the window pane and it would be like oh what's going to be there today maybe there'll be a bee or a hoverfly or a wasp or something like that and I, I can still feel that sort of excitement in a way. So I think it was this kind of, and in fact, I, I'd say that sort of stuck with me in terms of like the, the, the writing side, you know, is like actually every, you know, everyday wonders are really cool, you know. So I, I agree mm. the shark thing, like we all go through that, don't we? But actually it's like, oh yeah, there's some pretty, you know, there's, there's shark-like animals in a pond, you know, it's just that they're not massive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I think it was, it was kind of, yeah, it was definitely a bit of that, um, it was, yeah, that that for me. And I would say like dogs and cats and, you know, pets are a bit like that as well. Like, you know, I haven't had a dog um, since having a childhood dog called Biff. So I had like, what, 20 years there without a dog. And actually having a dog back in our lives, I'm like, actually, you watch some of the stuff they do every day and you're like, that's just unbelievable. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's they sort of connect us, don't they, I suppose, with the, with the natural world in a good way. Yeah, completely. Biff is a great name for a dog. Um, was that from like Biff and Chip, or was that just Biff? <laughs> was, did you did you guys have the magic key, Alexis? Did you guys have the no the magic? Oh, it's like a kids series and a series of books here, and Aww. the lead characters called Biff and Chip. That's um, so cute. Biff is great. Where did you get Biff from? Biff was Biff. Um, oh, I agree with Biff and Chip. By the way, isn't it funny that to, to yeah. everyone in Britain, it's like the first like set of books you learn. That everybody you read. can read. It's gone through <laughs> Biff and Chips. Um, no, Biff was uh, Biff was um, he biffed his little brother out the way. The story goes, you know, when when my mum and dad were looking at all the puppies, he biffed him out the way, and so they were like, "Oh, Biffy, that's so, so good." Yeah, he was he was a Biffy. <laughs> but they're good, aren't they? Childhood dogs. When you're a kid, oh, you t- you get to so experience good. a dog on a whole different level to when you're you know you're a, you're a kind of you know an adult and you have to do all the jobs for the for the for the dog. Yeah. You know, like whereas your kid, it's just like this, just basically friendship, isn't yeah. it? Like true sort of yeah. sisterhood or siblinghood. It's lovely, lovely. Absolutely. What kind of dog was Biff? He was a Shetland sheepdog. So another, <gasps> um, yeah. You so like, much so, hair. Yeah, it was he was just a furball, but he was really <laughs> neurotic. So you look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was I didn't realise at the time like how, you know, kind of badly trained he was really. Like he would like lose his mind if someone went past on a bike mm-hmm. or if someone knocked at the door or if my my dad like they they weren't doing this a lot, but if my dad I remember like my dad once kissing my mum 
and he just couldn't bear it. Like, you know, he was really, really neurotic. I don't know what was going on with him, but he was a, he was a you know, lovely, lively character. That's so funny. Was he jealous? Was he like, I want to get in on some action. Why am I being ignored or something? That's yeah, so funny. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to ask, like, because we were talking about being a zoologist, um, what is kind of like a day in the life of a zoologist? Because I feel like in my mind, it's like I go from animal to animal and I check in and I say hello. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's probably not the case. But please tell me if I'm wrong. I'd love it to be just going door to door and saying hello to each animal at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that would. I mean, a lot of zoologists obviously are in zoos, you know, and they're looking at the welfare of their animals and like uh, studying their behavior and how they're adapting to sort of, you know, the zoo conditions. But unfortunately, I'm not. I would love to be that kind of zoologist. <laughs> I was more um, interested in frogs. Mm -hmm and excellent. particularly in freshwater yeah i love them yeah, but like you excellent. know uh and then it's so it's so i mean i think it's a, there's a bit of a um cultural scientific divide i suppose between the pond community the pond scene in the uk and in america where obviously you know it, uh, in the past i've been like look we should all dig ponds it's a great way for us to improve biodiversity in urban areas and to get animals moving yeah. and, you know from garden to garden mm -hmm. and all this stuff but obviously in the us parts of the us like that's a terrible idea because of obviously invasive mosquitoes um yeah. and the threats that they pose yeah that's true so um oh, it's a kind yeah. of slightly different scene yeah and i didn't realize that i mean i a few years ago i was like oh you know i was going on twitter and I had a, a a small pond and I thought I would chart the life of every animal that visited this pond. And it was a really nice experience. It was cool. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah. the 25th animal was a frog and it was really nice. But I know like um, I got loads of stick basically from some people on Twitter for saying like, this is really irresponsible. You know, you're promoting, um, you know, mosquito breeding sites wow. and stuff like that. But But that was for me, ponds, freshwaters, frogs, particularly frog diseases, which are quite a big deal in the, obviously a big deal internationally, but in the UK, we've got loads of kind of really nasty frog diseases that mm. move around. Um, wow. So that was kind of my interest. So really I was interested in how to get that data from people's gardens. Yeah. So a lot of the sort of formal zoology was that, but then moving on from that, someone, once someone rang up, because I also ran a frog helpline. Incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. It's just big, the, so I'm actually, I mean, you, it was yeah. It was a, it was a weird job. Sorry, go on, go on. I was just going to ask really quickly because I I mean this may just be my ignorance, but like, how can you tell the difference between a toad and a frog? Great question. Um, so the main difference is uh, I always go on first of all what they're doing. So toads, if you walk past a toad, it will just stay really still. Yeah, like that. And then uh, frog <laughs> yeah. frog will get really scared and like hop away. So frogs use their hops to kind of like escape, whereas toads just right. sit still. And right. then if you get closer, in the UK, um, the quickest way to tell the difference is toads often have kind of dry skin that's bobbly. Mm -hmm. And frogs um, will nearly always have kind of wet skin that's much smoother. And also in the UK, like our toads all have kind of golden eyes, whereas frogs have kind of yellow eyes. But yeah, it's the behaviour one that works pretty well. Toads tend to sort of crawl and scrabble. Yes. Um, okay. So, that makes sense. Because mm. there's a community garden near where I live in South London, and I always see, which I now know are toads, um, when it rains, like outside hopping around. 
but because yeah. the, the garden that they're right near is right near a cycle path. So there are lots of times where me and my boyfriend will just be like moving toads off the cycle oh. path so they don't get squished. And we're like, we don't know if your toads are frogs, but we're <laughs> going to help you. So I'm, I'm, I now know, which is really You useful. can also, um, a really quick way is to, to kiss them and one turns into a prince and the other doesn't. <laughs> But this is also true. This <laughs> is also true. Yeah. And another way, I suppose, is that if one is driving a car with a tweed hat, that's obviously Mr. That's Toad. Mr. Because we all know that. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your frog helpline, what was that like? So it was um, like, I'm, I'm insanely old. It was before the internet properly kicked off. So like people had to, um, if they had worries about frogs, if they were like, oh, my frogs uh, looks like it's got a disease or like I'm worried about all this frog spawn, then they would go into like the yellow pages, which is like a paper version of Google, I guess, back in the day. And then they would give me a call at this charity called Frog Life. Um, and uh yeah, it was it was it was crazy. Job. So it was like four thousand calls a year, and so it was really busy in springtime. What? Obviously, it was really busy. But listen, you're that talking is, about like I so did that is not the number I thought you were going to quote the frog <laughs> helpline. That is incredible. <laughs> it is weird, like you know, you realise there's a lot of people out there that just they're just looking at their backyards, their gardens, their allotments, and have just got loads of questions and they need to know. So it was. Yeah. It was really nice. It was really, it was an amazing job, actually. But anyway, one of the people that rang up said, um, we're, we're um, like the BBC. Hi, I'm from the BBC. And we, someone's written us a question about frogs. And like, would you like to, you know, write 200 words and answer it? And I wrote this thing. And I was like, I absolutely love this. I really enjoyed writing it. And then they were like, hey, why don't you be our frog guy? And I was like, oh, this is the most, you know, it's like in La La Land. There's someone in the crowd. It was like that. It was someone in the crowd. Someone like ringing up and it. And like my life completely from that moment sort of went off in a different direction. And I was kind of like, I actually really enjoy learning about animals and then writing down what um, what I've learned and sort of uh, passing that on, I suppose. So, yeah, it was really lovely, formative, really. Yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the frog line still open? No, the frog, it's just, no one talks about like the, you know, the casualties of the internet age and yeah. the casualties <laughs> of Google. But like you could see really clearly as more and more, more and more people were going onto Google and going online, like this, this call center was like <laughs> going right down oh. the graph. And so, yeah, it had to be, it had to be closed uh, down. <laughs> but I guess it made room in your life for all these other amazing things. Yeah. So you've written this fantastic book. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about it, please? So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I've, I've, I've written about animals for like, you know, quite a long time and I've always wanted to write about dogs. And as you guys know, there are some fantastic dog books out there. Um, Alexandra Horowitz is just like, wow. I mean, I just think, particularly in the US, a real strong pedigree of like great dog writers. And I was like, I can't ever go there. So dogs are kind of off limits to me. Um, but then I wrote a few uh, kind of Guardian features just about uh, my own relationship with um, with dogs, with Oz and elsewhere. And I was kind of like, well, I, I, maybe there's another, a, a way I can, an angle I can find that other people haven't yet sort of mined, I suppose, and an interesting story. And so, so I focused on how it is we've learned so much about dogs and the use of dogs in the kind of cognitive sciences. So like animal behavior sciences and a kind of who's who of, of how we got here, because like mm. the, the interesting thing is, I mean, it goes back to what we were just saying, how animals connect us to the natural world. A lot of scientists who are interested in minds, you know, animal brains 
Um, they're like, oh, I'm going to go and study chimpanzees. I'm going to go and study gorillas. And I'm going to invest all this money and all this travel. And then they get home and they're looking at their dog and they're like, my dog is pretty smart. My dog's <laughs> able to do some of the things these chimpanzees are doing. And so in the last 20 years, there's been this kind of move to um, family dogs, as you guys know, like this move to sort of understanding more about um, how the dogs in our homes can uh, be studied in scientific ways in a really a compassionate welfare positive way where the dogs are happy and the scientists are happy and so it's like this story of how dogs 150 years ago were uh, respected agents of science and then they weren't then they were tortured and you know abused in really bad ways um and then like you know this wonderful blossoming science that's come in the last 20 years and you know telling that through the story of individual dogs uh was great it was a really nice first time i've ever written a sort of historical animal book and it was it was a total pleasure really inspiring to write actually it's so fun because a it has like everything i want in like a non-fiction book like it's never yeah. it's never uh dry at all you're such a good writer um i was like i'm so into it right now uh and also i think we've said before uh that animal trivia is our love language and this book has so <laughs> yeah. much. You really yeah. take advantage of your yeah. footnotes and add such good little like, by the way, which I am such a sucker for. Um, so thank you for adding those because I love it. Oh, that's cool. I never again, I've never really t- tried that before. Like, it's funny. You start every it's really embarrassing, actually. Like Every book you start, you just go like, how do you write a book? Like You just completely <laughs> sort of lose everything. Yeah. And, but it's good in some ways because you can you can add things that you try new things. And that's the first time I've used footnotes. But, but it's exactly as you say, like, I love trivia as well. And the idea of m- not putting in some amazing trivia that you've just discovered that day <laughs> is, is painful. But yeah. it, on, on, in, in, terms of, in terms of recording an audio book, though, I realised yeah. that, oh, no, actually, that is quite difficult because you're kind of like, oh, la di da di da I'm going to tell you this amazing stuff. Here we go. And here's this story. And then you're like, footnote, no, 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 no. <laughs> footnote no 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 so i think i've i've learned that you know there's other there you know in the next book whatever that is i'll 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 have to make yeah certain certain change choices i suppose yeah. maybe put them all at the end i was thinking oh, like yeah. all of the trivia just have like 10 pages of trivia <laughs> all the, the things end, i couldn't fit amazing yeah. um, or like a quiz some kind of quiz at the end with all yeah. of the like best, yeah pub quiz um i love it yeah okay i did have a question about one of them and it's it's okay if you don't know offhand but one of them was about how um most mammals have whiskers and humans still have the muscles of where our whiskers would be basically do you know where they would fall on our face because i was trying to figure out if i could twitch my whiskers or not but i didn't know where to look (laughs) Yeah, in fact, I um, so there's literally one paper that's been done on this, and it involves um, looking at uh, you know cadavers basically, mm-hmm. and looking for these uh, cells, I suppose, that move the whiskers. And it was something like one third of people, it might be half, half of people have them, and half of people don't have them anymore. Wow. And I believe they're in. You know where are this crease? You know this kind of. Well, in me, I've got like a mm. crease below my nose that goes to my. Mm. But you guys obviously are gorgeous. Don't have this. But like, <laughs> no, I definitely but, do. <laughs> yeah. But you know, in, in, I think they're just kind of the underside of of there, okay. and oh. apparently there's no way of us knowing until we die and someone investigates our faces. 
There's no way of us knowing yet, okay. but I just, I love that. I just it's love so that. Ella, it makes total if, sense, you know. If I die before yeah. you, make sure they check to see if I have whiskers. Okay. Really important. Well, and vice versa. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool. Good, good. Why, um, and why is it that only half or like not everybody still has them? Like what, what has happened there? Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's kind of genetic populations. I think it's just that you know you either get it from your mum or your dad or you don't, and so what results is this kind of fifty percent spread. And who knows? In you know, in five thousand years, it might be something no one's got. But it's just, I think it's just one of those so one of those things that's hanging around in our genes, I suppose. And I'm yeah. sure there's other ones that we don't necessarily have, you know, we haven't yet kind of studied. But yeah, it's so cool. I think that was just so it's funny because so cool. the idea of humans looking completely normal but having whiskers is so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a pause and go on a little break. Then we'll be right back with more from Jules Howard. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Seen, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen. And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says, that's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is... When, when they, they cry, cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly, yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. <sighs> Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already. What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. <laughs> Hal Laughlin here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Radford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring fisticuffs and colorful costumes. But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer. Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your old-timey radio. Were there particular things that you um, didn't include in the book that you kind of discovered as you were researching and preparing to write it that you didn't include, but you're like, oh, but that was so interesting? Or did you, as we say, we know you made full use of your footnotes. Did everything make it in? No, I, you know, there was absolutely loads that had to go and I had to be really, really, it's really difficult, isn't it? When you do a sort of creative project and you're yeah. like, I really like that, but it just can't work here. And in the past, like I'm first to admit, I was just was that I was just like, that's really good. That's got to go in. Yeah. Even if it doesn't fit, it's just cramming it in. So I tried to be a bit more judicious, really. But there was an, a lady who uh, was interested in, so so those early psychologists, they were um, looking at dogs, a bit like Pavlov's dogs, but not uh, slightly you know, more advanced than that, looking at how old dogs can um, have their behaviours changed by experience. So if, you know, an, a person, uh, for instance, in this case, I think it was, was dressing up with a beard and basically abusing <laughs> dogs physically, and then dogs became scared of people with beards. So yeah. it was like, okay, that's an interesting science. And then there was a female scientist who I did include in the footnotes, but I did it really quickly. A female scientist was like, that's very interesting, but I'm going to I'm going to take a dog that's had that kind of uh, 
stress and that, as that, those kind of behavioural problems. And I'm going to try and fix that dog and see whether the dog can be fixed. So the traditional, you know, you can imagine them like classic, you know, pale male, stale, you know, academics were sort of, you know, affecting dogs in a negative way. She was like, I'm going to find out what's going on there yeah. and try and fix it. And she went on after that to, um, I think it was in, she was in Boston. She went on to um, record the uh, sort of demographics of children and in terms of their behaviours and their lifestyles and their diet and all of these bits of data. And then she went back to those people every year for like 80 years. So she created the first mega data set wow. to look at how um, people who were like, you know, suffering poverty would uh, suffer later in life, shorter lifespan, etc. And she was a total trailblazer. Yeah. She was just absolutely awesome. And then like she had an amazing, I think I included in the book, she had an amazing like, um, you know, uh, deathbed, you know, conversation where she's like, I think I led a good life or something like that. Oh, no. It's like, mate, you did such a good job. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And that's the difficult thing is when you're, you're dealing with people. I mean, I'm used to writing about animals, but in this case, obviously, I'm writing about people and their stories and their lives a, a lot more. And it's kind of like, wow. I mean, some people have just got such amazing stories that have never been told. Mm, yeah, so true. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. And I suppose the way that like that early work where she was like, oh, it's really interesting if you look at these set of conditions and then you try and modify the behaviours to see what the outcome is and then applying that to people as well. Like that's fascinating. Yeah. And I think one of the problems in some ways with with uh, a lot of a lot of science is that it's like all things like you want to go for the science that gets your name out there early. Mm. And so those scientists who are like, I'm going to take 70 years over this. They're like, wow. I mean, like you, yeah. you delay the gratification of being like, yeah, I found this cool thing out for 70 years. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it takes a special sort of human to do that. Definitely. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Um, I was really interested in an article that I've just realized it was you that wrote this article because <laughs> I remember reading this article when you wrote it and then now I've just put two and two together and realised it's you talking about whether or not like dogs actually love us and is it that they just keep coming back because we're feeding them or is there something actually emotional going on there and I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about that because I remember being like I knew it I knew it <laughs> <laughs> but that's it that's I think we all feel like that don't we like yeah of mm. course they do like we knew we all know that you know mm. um now I I was like yeah, I mean traditionally in zoology like you're not allowed to use certain words so we're not really allowed to use love because mm. you know what is love right. well, I don't know what love is your love may be different to my love and all this yeah. stuff so it was really sort of frowned upon and uh and to be honest um after doing after looking at these amazing like family dog studies in the last 10 years, um, you know, you've got the the studies of um, kind of hormones that are, kind of reflect dogs' happiness and satisfaction. And you know all about this, I'm sure, you know, like they go up, these hormones go up in dogs when they look at us. Um, dogs oh. behave in, in ways, dogs behave in ways that like toddlers do, like in strange situation tests, they're called, where you introduce like a threat into the room and dogs will, you know, move around their human companions just like puppies would. And these other stuff about fMRI scanners where you can look at a dog's brain, you can see what happens when a dog sees, you know, the human companion and it lights up in the same way mm. as a human companion lights up when it looks at its dog. So mm. in other words, all of this information coming out, and it's kind of like there's so many strands, there's so many separate pillars to this, you know, relationship that dogs have with us that it's like, 
let's just let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Let's just kind of you just call it love in this case. Yeah. Um. So it felt good to. It was like it was like coming out. Really, it was like a really big deal. I suppose at the time to to sort of go. Like, I think we should be using this word in science more frequently. We yeah. use it all the time in our daily lives, don't we? But but I think the reason I wanted to see it, to sort of say, look, it's okay to use this, is because my worry, and you must have feel exactly the same as this. Like my worry is that. If we keep saying, oh, this is biological um, attachment, this is a mammal <laughs> attachment, you know, the, the dogs have with us. It means it gives more people uh, a license to just mistreat dogs yeah, and just yeah. treat them rubbish and just to keep them at home and ignore them and like, you know, uh, keep them locked up. I mean, you know, all day while you're at work and like all these difficult things. It kind of I just think it hopefully it m- makes us take a little bit more care with that relationship that we've got. But I will say this. Not all of the dogs in those tests respond in the same way. So, like, you know, the 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 one about oxytocin, this love hormone that's pumping yeah. around our bodies, yeah. same as dogs. Like, you know, I think in the in the studies, they might involve like 10 study dogs. And like, you know, three of them don't really change when they look at their owners. <laughs> so it's like a bit, it's a bit awkward, I think, You'd for some of these. You'd be so uh, offended. You'd be like, all I, I do, do for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yours was one of the dogs that oh, didn't mm-hmm. seem that bothered when you entered the room. <laughs> Imagine. But, so I guess, yeah. So I guess we've got to be a little bit mindful of that, I suppose. That would hurt forever if you found out that your dog, like you were one of you, just be like, no, do do I get, like, do, do I find you someone else to live with? Is this not yeah. a good match? <laughs> like, is it me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you said, um, you know, at the start, you know, uh, we, um, Food is a big part of, you know, the, you know, the, the dogs and their relationship to us. Like, mm. I think it would probably be depending on the dog, obviously. Um, but, you know, it would be foolish to kind of think, oh, every single interaction that we have with our dogs are, you know, is about love. And I, I would say I look at Oz. Oz is massively food obsessed and mm. he's not he's not a massively bid. Sighthounds, you know, apparently aren't that biddable, really. So he's not really. Everything, you know, I ask Oz to do is a negotiation. It's kind of like, Oz, get in the boot of the car. And he's like, that'll be a biscuit. Definitely a biscuit. Okay, biscuit, <laughs> off you go. And he'll do it. But, but yeah, so he, um, he, he, he in other words, I, I don't see love in Oz all day long. But what I do see is like first thing in the morning when I haven't got a biscuit on me and we're having a cuddle or last thing at night when he's all sleepy and he'll sort of get all over me and go to sleep you know like you can see that he's really visibly visibly relaxing like when we're together um so yeah i think i think it's a bit like consciousness we talk about animal consciousness are animals conscious and the truth is we're all we're not all of us we're not all conscious all the time you know like Mm. often i'm like what have i been doing for half an hour i've got no idea you know (laughs) all the time all the time Constantly like yeah, waking that's... up in the middle of the room somehow, we're like, "What am I doing in here? Yeah. How did I come in?" Always, here? yeah. yeah you just your brain exits momentarily, doesn't it? And I think sometimes, yeah, my pets yeah. are exactly the same. But equally, the way that my our family dog looks at my mum, I'm like, I actually think you love her more than we love her. Like, <laughs> this dog, this dog just is obsessed with my mother. So, um, it's one of those things isn't it you kind of instinctively you look at that bond and you're like oh like there's so much adoration there but then there's the kind of the science part where you're like oh well is this just because you've been trained to respond this way to this person that's giving you the thing you want which is like food and sustenance and whatever but um i'm i'm with you man i'm like yeah and also how is it that much different from like 
I don't know, most of the thing, time, like, my partner and I just eat together. It's not that yeah. much different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's love, yeah. right? I, see, I agree. That's Actually, I've never really thought of it like that. But you're right. Like, I think if, if, uh, if aliens from another planet were watching us interact... Uh, there would probably would be like some of these alien scientists like, well, I don't think it's love because I was watching them and they sat in the car on a train journey or whatever and they just weren't talking at all. They were just looking at their phones, you know? So you're right. You wouldn't expect to see it all the time. That's really, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Or with parents and children, like, is it love or like, is it just the this big one gives the little one food and a bed and roof and shelter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. so true. Um, it also like makes me think, I feel like, Especially in pandemic times, a big conversation was like, oh, our animals need things to do. And I feel like that's been the latest <laughs> kind of like stimulating your pets has been a big conversation. And I think it, it plays into a little bit what you're saying of like, oh, are they is this love? And also like, is this I don't know, there, there's so much more than meets the eye of like, yeah, they can just lay around all day, but they love an activity. Like, yeah. I just like mm. how much I feel like it's such a cool time for dogs because it's like we're fine. I feel like where there's this push to be like, what do they want to do, though? Like, I don't yeah. know. It's really sweet to me. I wonder whether or not, like, um, it's interesting to hear what you think of, of like, the, what the future of, like, uh, having a dog will look like and whether or not, like, parks will check. Because I agree, like, we, we think much more, don't we, about, like, how are our dogs, like, enriched enough and, like, you know, walking and play and this kind of thing, whether or not, um, I don't know. I'm, I've always been into. I can't wait to see what where it goes next. Yeah. But you know, like we've yeah. got because in America, you guys have like proper dog parks. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. We do. Yeah. And we do. we have that a bit, don't we, Ella? But you have it kind of like around here anyway. It's kind of like you have a normal park, and then you got like a little dog run bit. Yeah. But it's not. It's not like a formal thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Is that it's, similar to you guys? Yeah, I'm the same. It doesn't. It isn't as. For, I feel like in. I feel like I hear you guys like in America talking about like going to the dog park mm-hmm. and I just don't think that's a conversation. Like you just take your dog to the park and you like run <laughs> yeah. around and play fetch with them and hope that there are other dogs to run around with them for a bit to burn off some energy. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, there's, there aren't really yeah. dog specific parks as much. There are, I mean, dog parks are such a, a weird thing here because they're wonderful. It's like, so it's usually within a bit, within a park. There's like the dog park, but it's a huge fenced off section so that the dogs don't escape, which is nice. Um, but there's there's always controversy as to like whether it's the right move, because like there's so many dog fights and accidents that happen because, yeah, you know, cool. it's a concentrated amount of strange dogs. Um, but like I recently because of that, now there are like bougie ones where like it's almost like the private school of of dog parks <laughs> where it's like your dog can get like strikes on its card and then it can't come back but there's like you know there's like a connected bar there's like you know there's the like a spa a section for the dog to get groomed oh while, like God. so it's creating a really weird like you can't just go to the regular dog park anymore are you in are you in the club <laughs> wow yeah wow so wow that's so interesting yeah. I t- but that's a great example of like you know you can see i can imagine that um, I can imagine that. I don't see why the UK eventually we won't end up in a system I like that. As you said, there's money to be made. Yeah, uh, you have, I think the thing yeah. here is that like, because yeah, like I feel like the states have more dog parks and also you just have more kind of dog friendly things. Like you have more, I feel like more, we've got pubs and that's kind of it. 
Whereas you guys, I, I, I see people in America with their dogs everywhere. Like they go into shopping centers with you. Yeah. They go into the supermarket with you. Like it's, that's not as much of a thing here, but it does feel like the UK is inching towards like dog integration yeah. more. I don't know. Mm. And I think part of that was like coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people are working from home more and got more pets, which is like, a, you know, great. But yeah, it's like, there's this, like there's, I've seen a real spike in stuff like take your dog to work days. At like places where oh, my friends right, were, yeah. which has been really cool to see. Um, there are full and also a spike in like dog restaurants. There are dog restaurants. Yeah. Okay, that I've not seen. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us how they were. Tell us how they were. I, that sounds, that sounds, I have that's not gone to one, but there's like some. There's a big name chef who recently started like a seven course like dog <gasps> restaurant, and it is expensive. <laughs> it was like I think it's like eighty dollars. <laughs> To get your dog like wind and dined at oh this restaurant, and it's no human food. It is just for your dog, and like the the article I read was really interesting because a little bit it was like, is this good? Because you know it really is showing the like uh, income inequality. Well, because it's like some people have so much money that they're taking their dog to eat at five star restaurants, mm. but also a little bit. I'm like. I think my dog would really like that. <laughs> yeah, like if if, if yeah. you could afford it, you would go, Absolutely. wouldn't you? Like that would be hilarious. I'm like, yeah, you should spend your money on better things, but I <laughs> would love to spend my money on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that goes I, back to what you said about the dog park, the dog park thing and the dog park experience. When you were saying that, Alexis, about like, oh, you can pay for it. And like, as you say, you know, you've one false move and you're going to get striked <laughs> out and stuff. But a bit of me was like, oh, I'd really like to. I would actually really like to just maybe have a beer on a sunny day and just yeah. sit. There's no more. There's no greater pleasure. Yeah. And I would pay for it. And I, I you know, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I would pay for seeing Oz run around <laughs> with other dogs and have a great time. The other dogs I trust aren't going to go crazy on yeah. him. Yeah. You know, but it's you while get so drinking much a beer. It, so. yeah. While drinking a beer in yeah. the sun. <laughs> that does sound like a perfect Sunday to me. Like, watching the dogs and having uh, a drink. Yeah. Like that sounds... Sounds lovely. Everyone's happy. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Also just environments where dogs can hang out with other dogs safely. Like Mm. uh, we started sending Simba, our family dog, to like doggy daycare. And that's been like so good. And it's not even that, you know, like my parents both work from home. So it wasn't even that they needed somewhere for him to go. It was just for socialization and for him to like have some mates, you know. And he comes back like so, so happy and tired, like he's gone to school. Yeah. It's so cute. Aww. So I think stuff like that, like as you say, this move towards um, understanding our, our pets a little bit better and knowing that they, you know, they can lie around, but they maybe shouldn't. And we should do more to enrich their lives. I think is really great. I think that's true of all pets as well. Like there's been a huge like uptick in cat care. I think as well, people being like oh, my cat is happier when I, like, play with her for a bit and stuff. So Yeah. Ella, I'm looking at your, behind you, at your <laughs> cat, insane cat uh, tree. It yes. is, and it says it all, basically. <laughs> that is a hyper-enriching really cat hyper tree. Hyper-enriching cat tree. I do have a Bengal, and they do require a lot of enrichment. They're really, really smart. And so she, like, needs to be kind of kept active and busy. But and And I can tell the difference in her, like, personality and her behaviour. Like, if she's bored, she starts looking for trouble whereas if she has yeah. stuff going on she's she's chill yeah you know? 
I think that's like the that's the takeaway with play, isn't it? Right, if they're bored, they're going to cause trouble. Totally. And if they're not causing trouble, they're you've you've found that, haven't you? I guess you found that level. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, we have to ask this to everyone that comes on the show, um, mm. and it's 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 a tough one. Uh, but if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Oh, that's a really. <laughs> That's a nice question. No, people don't ask questions like this enough. I know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I don't. I'm, okay, I've got to think what I don't like. I don't really like heights massively. So the idea of soaring high, no, nah, not for me. Yeah. I don't want to be something. It'd be nice to be something really small that you just get to see this whole new world. I was writing the other day about um, uh, velvet mites. These are like little, the little red spider-like creatures that run around on bricks and patio oh. slabs and stuff in the is summer. You see them; they're suddenly everywhere. Mm. Wow. And they're like lovely, gorgeous little hairy little mites, yeah. and they go around. And the males, um, the male, a lot of that part of the animal family tree. Um, it's the. I was writing about eggs. I'm writing a book about eggs, and uh, it's like oh, when these animals first invaded the land, um, they. Uh, came out of the sea and you imagine them like, oh, yeah, they're evolving to lay hard eggs and that's all beautiful. But in fact, in those animals, it isn't that isn't what happened. The egg stayed within the body where it's obviously not as dry. Um, so nice and sort of, you know, lots of humidity inside the mite's body. So they stayed there in that group of animals. And instead, it was the it was the males who evolved like sperm uh, packets um, and they are really tough. So they're really hard. So it was them that evolved sort of shelled sperm, I guess you could say. Anyway, so all mites do this pretty much. They make these little gardens of sperm and they dot them around. And 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 these sperm look a bit like kind of beautiful little flowers. They're obviously microscopic. We can't see them. And then the males just tend to these little gardens all summer long. And they're kind of like to any female that comes over, they're like, come and look at my garden. Please let me show you around my garden. And, and then other males come in and the other males start pulling their garden apart. No, go away. This is my garden. And like, I think I'd like to. It'd be That would be a cool animal. Just not not in a sexual deviant way. Nothing like that. I just think it'd be great to experience yeah. this world that is like nothing like our own. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go spider mite. Incredible. Yeah. That's such a good answer <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> what do most people say? What do most people say to that? I mean, we've had a wide variety, yeah. to be honest. We've had a really wide variety. Like we had, who? someone said... um sea slug yeah sea right slug. who said that mm. Vic um, Vic said sea slug yeah we've had some yeah I change my answer all the time Alexis is definitely a little raccoon yeah we've decided that yeah oh, I agree. Cool. yeah uh, every once in a while we'll get a new we'll learn about a new animal and I go is that is that me could that be me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and what was yours Ella sorry I missed it's that so, I change a lot at the moment though I do think the fusa have you, I mean I'm sure do you know oh, the, yeah. yeah because I think there's something oh, yeah they are like predators and i think i would probably be a predator but there's something kind of fundamentally quite indecisive about the way they've evolved it's like are they bears or big cats or monkeys and they've got the massive tails but then the kind of cat-like ears and but then like the raccoon eyes and i kind of think that um that is i think quite an accurate description of me like not very indecisive and sort of trying to be everything at once because I can't choose and so and that's why like up until I discovered the Fusa I was always like maybe I'll be a bird or maybe I'll be a monkey or maybe I'll be a cat and then I found this weird creature that sort of evolved to emulate all of them 
Um, and I also just really appreciate the fact that they are only on one island. Mm-hmm. And that's also quite yeah. me. I'm very like, but, and it's Madagascar, like, why would you leave? That's you true. Know? Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so I think that probably. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a cool choice. They are awesome. People don't talk about them enough, do they? We sort of forget. I know. You know? They're so yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's how like most of Madagascar is. Like, there are so many animals yeah. on one island that it's just like, these are all the most interesting animal I've ever heard of, but nobody has mentioned it. Totally. Yeah. There are a couple of places like that. Yeah. Madagascar yeah. for one. The Galapagos is another yeah. one where I'm like, mm. everything on this island is magic. Like none of it. I, are you, you're telling me this is just occurring in science? Like what? Yeah. And then Australia has all the scary ones. Mm. I feel like everyone where it's like, yeah, same thing, but more deadly. It's in Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Jules, if people want uh, more, more, more jewels, where can they find you? How do they find the book, et cetera? Um, so more jewels. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, the, please do. Obviously, you know, the book Wonder Dog um, uh, is available, I think, everywhere in the, in the US. And I think it uh, should be in Canada as well by about now. And it's a yeah, it's available like everywhere. I think on Earth yep. right now, apart from Antarctica, which is sad. But you know, those sixteen <laughs> people or whatever, maybe who knows? But yeah, so, we can um, send it yeah, to so them. We can right. post it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, yeah, all the all the normal places really. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, yeah, if people enjoy it, you know, let me know. Really, it's been it's been as I say, it's been like something a kind of new trial for me to sort of write, you know. A, animal facts dogs cognition behavior but also in a historical context and like you know you know comments have been really good and so yeah i just hope it yeah i hope it's liked basically yeah i think it's great i think i genuinely think the crossover between people that listen to the show uh, and your book is really high like it's this this is so your audience (laughs) (laughs) this is so your um (laughs) do you have social media can people follow you somewhere yeah, a Twitter's probably best, so that's Jules L. Howard. And there's also quite a lot of um, like YouTube uh, videos of me just talking about dogs at various places and stuff. So there's also, you know, there's the full sort of lowdown on the book, actually, is in a couple of those talks that you'll see um, online. So it just covers everything in the book. And, you know, yeah, like I say, enjoy. Wonderful. But thanks so much to you guys for having me. This is what a lovely podcast you've got. It's, oh, so, it's really lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Just so sort of like, ah, I just feel like... Ah, just among friends and it's like oh right yeah, yeah well yeah, yeah. So, yeah that's thanks, what guys. we want just yeah. friends chatting yeah. about animals that's what we want yeah <laughs> Ella do you have an update on Simba's barking um currently still barking okay great however <laughs> currently still doing the thing okay great but um because he's been going to doggy daycare mm-hmm. um he is also just like more exhausted and so i'm told it's less of a frenetic who are you in my house reflection bark yeah and more of a kind of weary you again i thought i told you to leave bark you know like he <laughs> yeah it's he gives up quicker <laughs> it's so we, we're getting there um but i i, I definitely think it's helped okay, um right. Yeah, he's so funny. He's just, he's, he's so, so funny. I can't, my parents haven't put up the Christmas tree yet. And um, I'm just so excited to yeah. see, to oh. see how Simba. Is this Simba's, wait, is this Simba's the, first Christmas? 
It's Simba's second Christmas. Okay, good. Um, but because like the late, like my parents' like house layout has changed. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have like more access to the tree this year, Cute. I think. Oh. And that's going to be really exciting. Uh, but like dogs at Christmas are just the best, aren't they? Like Ugh. you put, you know, putting treats in the stocking and watching yep. him get it out. Like yep. nothing beats that. <laughs> I um, here's a here's a little a little DIY if you want. Um, I instead of getting a typical uh, Christmas tree skirt, I got a like they make little uh round little blankets. I think they're normally for babies to crawl on. They're like stuffed blankets. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just cut a hole in that and and fed the tree bottom through that so now the animals can lay on it like a little bed so they're always (gasps) laying under the christmas tree oh my god a little present yeah it's a really cute little a little addition so highly recommend getting a stuffed bottom to your christmas tree because they will just lay under there that's so cute can you take a picture of them because that sounds like a christmas card that's so sweet yeah i I need like a bigger one i want to try and get all four of the animals under but we'll see that might be yeah um we have a discord yes and come and join us on discord yeah it's a good time yeah we share pictures of our pets we talk about fantasy books yep it's just like more of us and more of this and more of you guys which is all we want really yeah yeah honestly please yeah get down there uh and also that's probably where i'll post the photos of the animals under the tree so so now you have to now you have to come i have to um obviously we are on twitter we at uh sea creatures pod we're at comfort creatures podcast on instagram and please email us your pet stories your ready pet goes um comfort creatures at maximumfun.org is our email uh i love them and i want to have more we gotta i need to build up our little piggy bank of them because yes if there are any holiday specific ready pet yeah. goes anything you know the time that the dog ate the the turkey mm-hmm. um you know the time that you put a santa hat on your gecko i just i want to hear yeah. all of the all of the pet related festive fun yes yeah. please send it our way um yeah i think i think that's all the things yeah i think that's all the things too okay great that was great all right well um then yeah. until next week i've been alexis b preston I've been Ella McLeod. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.